joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melts the clouds of sin and sadness. Thank you for joining us for this program from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the Ninth Avenue. Extraordinary Faith That's where we've been now for several weeks uh, as we are trying to really kind of latch on and, and figure out this is really going to be our whole year. Uh, we're going to continue through the year to come back to this idea of faith. Uh, the, the sermon series aren't necessarily going to be one right after another. We're going to spend some time talking about it. Take a break. Talk about some other important things that we need to discuss about Scripture and growth in our relationship with God. And then we're going to come back to ideas of faith. Uh, but we're, we're starting the year. We're spending the first uh, kind of uh, several weeks of the year in this Hebrews passage. Talking about having not just faith but extraordinary faith and, and dealing with life as it comes, how we get to moments in our life where, where we're going to face extraordinary challenges. We're going to face extraordinary moments. And what is our relationship with God going to help us do in those moments? Are we going to just kind of let those moments bypass us by or are we let those moments overwhelm us? Because uh, moments aren't always challenging. Moments are not always stressful. No, moments are not, you know, these moments we're talking about are not always something that's bad. Maybe there are moments that uh, is the opportunity to step up. It's the opportunity to make a difference that we weren't necessarily expecting. That's really the case in the lesson we're going to look at today from the life of Moses. He wasn't expecting uh, to, to be where he was in his life, and then he definitely wasn't expecting God to call him to do something. Uh, but how did he respond to that? How do we rise up and meet the challenge before us, whether it's a positive challenge or a negative challenge? How do we rise up? And how do we meet that challenge in our life? So I want you to go to our Hebrews text this morning, uh, as we're obviously going to talk about Moses. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Open your Bibles there if you haven't already. Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we'll start in verse 24. He says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as he sees him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. I'm going to be honest with you. If you go back and you read all of this, um, I, think you, I think you see the legend of Moses, the legend of Moses. And what I mean by that is, is uh, we, we see this in our own history, that we have, we have the actual historical kind of picture of who someone is, and then, uh, and then we kind of create the legend that goes around them. And I'm not saying that, that this isn't a fair or right or, or spirit-inspired in, uh, description of Moses. Absolutely, I think it is. But I think you see Moses in the absolute best light here. Because as we rewind this morning and we get into the moments uh, of, of his story from the Old Testament, we're going to see that in those moments, even though they led to great things, to extraordinary faith in the moments, those moments are not as polished, right? 
Well, we're not as polished when we face the challenge sometimes. Uh, it's, it's, it's some very real things that he deals with and that he's uh, faced with and that he has to overcome. And I'm sure looking back at times, he probably regretted dealing with things the way that he did. I know that we all face that, right? We all face struggles. We overcome them. We maybe get through a challenge. And then we turn around and we look. We go, man, I wish I had handled that what? wish I'd handled that different. I wish I'd handled it a little bit better. I uh, wish I had another chance to do that again. I would do it this way if I, if I could do it over. And I think he had those moments I, because, I just, because he's human, because he had to think about that at times, because all of us think about that. But he was given an opportunity to make up for those things and maybe do things a little bit differently. Uh, I want to show you this this morning as we think about what the challenge is. His challenge that he faced this morning, I really think, is personal struggle. Personal struggle. What is it that gets in the way of him uh, in the beginning of his story going ahead and becoming someone great? I think it was just kind of that internal struggle that I'm not good enough or that I've done it wrong and I'm not really sure how to fix what I've done. I'm not sure how to go back and unwind the mess that I've, that I've created. And so he struggles with that. And because of that, he kind of abandons he thinks is his calling or what he realized was his calling he abandons it and goes on and kind of does his own thing and i think he struggles with that for a period of time until god comes back and, and calls him again so kind of how we look at this through the, these lens this morning is how do we allow faith to overcome our personal struggles well uh take your bibles and let's turn all the way back to exodus chapter three all right exodus chapter three and we're going to Jump in the middle of the story and then go back and then come back to the rest of the story, okay? We're just, so we just kind of follow along. We'll, we'll, we'll get it all in. We just may not all get it all in um, in chronological order from beginning to the end. So he starts in verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, uh, came to Horeb, the Mount of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, uh, of out of the midst of the bush he looked and behold the bush was burning yet it was not consumed and Moses said I will turn aside to see this great sight why the bush is not burned I really think that he's from Alabama right here right because he sees something kind of off the wall and what does he do he's like oh, I'm going to stop and look at that where anybody else ever do that I don't rubbernecking is what we call it right little rubbernecking moment here by Moses and he's fixing to get more than he ever could have imagined for that moment when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see see God was waiting for him to do that God called out of the bush Moses Moses and he said here I am then he said do not come near take off or take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and, they have, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with the Egyptians, or which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children 
of Israel out of Egypt. It's a pretty tall order, isn't it? Pretty tall order. He, he's, he's just going about his day. He's on the side of a mountain. And all of a sudden he sees something on fire, which I would imagine is something that catches your attention, right? I would imagine it's something that you turn and you look and you're like, what in the world is going on? And God waits for that moment. God gets his attention. He turns and looks and they start having this conversation. And he's like, hey, I'm God. And this is, we're just kind of paraphrasing. He goes, I'm God. And it scares him to death. That's the response that, that just about everybody has to coming into contact with the voice of God or the presence of God or the presence of a heavenly being in the form of an angel. You know, they, they always hide their face. They always realize that they're in the presence of something magnificent and something holy. And it scares them to death. That's kind of their first reaction. And Moses is scared to death. And God gives him this great, number one, I'm going to assure you who I am. I'm going to tell you the reason I'm coming to you, and then I'm going to tell you what I need you to do. And so he does all of those things. And what does Moses do? God's called him to do an extraordinary thing. God's called him to do a great thing. God has called him to deliver an entire nation. And as we look here in just a few minutes, that, that's, that, he realizes at one point in his life that maybe I'm here to do something. Maybe I'm here to make a difference. And as God calls him, he has spent 40 years away from his people, away from what he knew was his mission. He spent 40 years in his own personal wilderness, literally, herding these sheep around, thinking about his life and what he could have done and what he should have done and what you know would have been different if this and that had happened. And when he finally has an opportunity to make it right, his first reaction is what? Excuses excuses a lot of times in our life our greatest struggle is the struggle of excuses coming up with reasons and ways that i can't really do what god wants me to do because i'm uncomfortable with it i don't feel prepared for it i don't feel educated enough to do it i don't feel worried fill in the blanks there okay whatever reasons He's coming up with excuse after excuse after, after excuse. And if you keep on reading the story, he goes on. And the first thing he looks at God and says, he goes, who am I? Okay, his first thought was, you've got the wrong guy. I'm not the guy that you want. Uh, of all the guys in the world, I've been there. I, I've been there. I know the lay of the land. I know everything that's going on. I know how awful it is. I know how bad they're being treated. But I'm telling you, despite knowing it all, you got the wrong guy. You're, I'm, not, I'm not the guy you want to send back into that city. Do you know what I did last time I was there? Do, do, do you really know how bad I messed up? I, who am I? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not the guy that you want. And I love God's simple response in verse 12. He says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. There should be nothing more comforting in our life than to know that God is with us. That God is with us. I was having a conversation with, with Andrea earlier this week, and I, and I don't want to, it's a conversation that through a podcast we're going to share with everybody soon. And I don't want to tell you too much about it, but I want to tell you one of the things that she said she said, in many ways, this has been the most challenging year of her life, but also the best 
Pastor, I said, why? She said, because the challenge has made me for the first time listen to the Holy Spirit. You know what she's saying? She's saying, for the first time I realize above everything else, God is with me. And when we realize that God says, I'm with you, no matter how good or how bad or how hard it might be, he says, I am with you. No matter the personal struggle that you're dealing with, he says, I am with you. We all understand that when we feel bad, when we struggle, we don't like to do that alone, do we? We like to have comfort. We like to have someone with us. And he says, in your life, I'm actually going to send you, what does he call the Holy Spirit to the apostles? I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the one that brings you peace, that brings you confidence, that brings you the ability to know it's all going to be okay. And so as you struggle with those things in your life, as you get to those moments, you're like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. This is so hard. Who am I that I can make a difference anywhere? Remember, it's not you by yourself. That whole passage starts out with God keeps saying, I have heard this. I have seen this. I'm going to deliver my people. I'm going to bring them out. And what does Moses focus on? Moses focuses on that last sentence, right? Wives, he's, a, he's practicing to be a good husband right there, right? Selective listening, right? He focuses on that last sentence where he says, I'm going to call you to be the guy that leads all of this. What, what did Moses hear? He heard me, 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 and he didn't listen to the part where he said God, 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 right? And when we focus on me and my struggles and my shortcomings and my challenges, and I forget I will be with you, then yeah, our struggles are going to win every time. Absolutely. They're going to overwhelm us. They're going to pull us down. They're going to, to, to make us feel sorry for ourselves, or, or and we're not going to accomplish what God's called us to accomplish. But when we remember, I've got the Holy Spirit. He's comforting me. He's strengthening me. I need to listen to him. Then that challenge can very easily just become a blip on the radar. Just the next step to get to the next great thing that God is promising me in my life. Who am I? But that's not where he starts. That's still not enough. That's still not enough. He goes on. He says, what if no one believes me in 13? He says, they're going to think I'm crazy. I'm coming down here, and I've been gone for 40 years. People still are going to remember Moses. I mean, how can you not remember the Hebrew that lived in the palace? There again, they may not know him personally, but the legend of Moses is still going to be amongst the people, right? It even says that at one point, he decides, I'm not going to live with the people of, of, of Egypt anymore. I'm going to live with my people. Okay, I'm going to live with the people of Israel. I'm going to leave with, live with my Hebrew brothers. But still, the, the, these people are going to know who he was when he comes back. And what is it going to sound like when I've been like, hey guys, I've been in the middle of the wilderness. I've been in the middle of the desert for 40 years with these sheep. And I'm standing there one day, and this bush catches on fire. And I'm looking at it. Can you believe this? That bush, it just burned and burned and burned and burned and burned, and it never burned up. And then on top of that, God started talking to me. How many of you would think Moses was crazy? I mean, really. I, that's uh, of some of the things that he says here to God, that wouldn't make sense, right? What if? That's another challenge in our personal struggles. What if? What if I do this and fail? What if I do this and I don't do it right? 
What if I do this and I hurt somebody? What if I do this and they say no and they reject me? One of the greatest struggles in our life is the struggle of what if. Because what ifs, they're kind of like worrying. I think it all is tied together. I can what if something to the point that it becomes bigger than the challenge I'm looking at facing anyway. Worrying does that too, right? I'm worried about this moment, and so as I worry about that moment, I create all these scenarios that if this moment does this, it'll lead to this, and it'll lead to this, and it leads to this, and it leads to this. And I'm now worrying about something over here that has really nothing to do with the thing that I'm challenged with in the first place. What ifs are the same way. What if God has called me to do this, and I'm scared to death to do it? And as I get to the point that I think I might do it, I'm like, well, what if this happens? which would lead to this, which would lead to this, which would lead to this. And the reason I choose not to serve really has nothing to do with what God's even called me to do in the first place. This thing's getting on my nerves. What if? But you know, what ifs can be a very dangerous thing. They can really challenge us. They can make our struggles bigger than they really are. But on the flip side of that, as we weave it together, if God is with me, what if I do what he wants me to do? What if it works out just the way God says it's going to work out? And then what if that leads to something else so great and so positive? And what if that leads to something else so great and so positive? And what if that leads to something else so great and so positive? And I believe that when we grasp on to the Holy Spirit, when we hold on to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us, when we allow him to, to speak and to comfort and to encourage us the way that God says that he can and that he will, that our what-ifs don't become a hindrance, our what-ifs can become our motivation motivation what if i really listen to god the, then then great things are going to happen it's not always going to be easy it's not ever going to be perfect but what if i have as much faith in myself as god has in me what if i really truly trust god step out of my box and do what he asked me to do that is when you find the ability to go from ordinary to extraordinary in your faith. So maybe there's nothing wrong with what if, as long as that what if is focused in the direction of the Holy Spirit and the Son and the Father. And we allow them to structure our Holy, our Holy Spirit. We allow them to structure our what ifs instead of our struggles. And so, what does God say? God says, I've got you covered. I'm going to give you these signs to do, and, and they're going to know you're from me. What, what does he say? Again, in a different way, but in the same way, he says, I will be with you. I'm sending you to do something. I, I want you to accomplish something for us. But remember this, God will never ask you to accomplish something in which he's not giving you the talents, the abilities, and the tools to accomplish them, right? Do you believe that? You need to, because it's truth. 
I'm not ever going to call on you to do something. I'm not ever going to ask you to step out of your comfort zone. I'm not ever going to ask you to step out of your box and do something that I've not prepared you to do. Now, are you going to be as prepared in the, in, in the, in the first moment as maybe you are down the road? Not necessarily. Already, I'm going to tell you what, I'm very proud of Alex DeLeon. Alex uh, is co-teaching with me on Sunday mornings, um, and uh, he, he's growing and he's developing himself as a teacher in the church classroom, although he has developed over the years as, as, a, as a teacher in the school classroom. Um, he has been doing, we've been doing this for what? I mean, since the beginning of January now, so almost eight weeks. He's taught four different times now. And I'm going to tell you, from class one to class four today that he taught, you can already see Alex's growth. He could have what-ifed a lot of things. But he stepped out of the box, and God says, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to make sure you have the tools that you need. I've already given you this gift of teaching. Now let's use it in a direction that builds up the kingdom in a positive and powerful way. And every week, he's getting a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. So if we trust God, and we trust he's going to give us the tools, then we're going to be able to get rid of the what-ifs in a negative way. That should be enough, right? That should be enough. But then he goes on and he says, oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent. I've never been eloquent. He says, I can't talk. I, I, I can't talk right. Um, that, that's not my strong point. You know, wh words don't come to me easily. Words, being, being this dynamic speaker is, is not, I'm not going to be able to motivate these people because I'm not going to be able to speak to them in the way I need to, to motivate them to come and do what they need to do. And that's so funny to me because I guess our next text here from, from Acts chapter 7, verse 22 says, And Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in his words and his deeds. But you know what he had done? He had spent 40 years convincing himself how bad of a servant he really was. His best friends were the sheep. He just talks to them all day long. And he thinks, there's no way that I connect with people anymore. I've tried that. It didn't work. And God comes back in. And he does. He does what he's done to the other two excuses. I'm with you. He looks at him. It's actually one of my favorite phrases in all scripture that God uses because it's very much, I mean, it is a parenting. I, mean, I just hear a parent saying this. He looks at him and goes, who gave you your tongue? What's he really saying? Who's putting the words in your mouth? You're not speaking my words. or You're not speaking your words. Whose words are we speaking? Whose words is he going to be speaking? He's going to be speaking the words of God. And he said, look, I've taken care of that. I am with you. So as we face personal struggles in our life, as we face those moments that we're like, I don't know, I, I, I'm not good enough. What if this happens? Um, I, I, I can't do this. That's really kind of that last excuse. I can't. I'm not able. I know you want me to. I know you have faith in me, God, but I can't do it. He goes, I am with you. Say that with me. I am with with you. Okay, now actually say it. Ready? I am with you. It's one of the greatest promises God's ever given us. I'm with you. He says, I'll never forsake you. I'll never turn my back on you. I'm always going to be there. I've sent my spirit. 
He's going to be there with you. He's going to take care of you. I will be with you. All right. We're at 30 minutes. That's point one. There's three points, so there's an hour left, right? Anybody hungry? Yeah. I'm with you. I'm on that train. How about we stop that one right there? We'll pause it to next Sunday, and we'll take the rest of this lesson and roll it into next week. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. Some of you may be in a, some of you may be in a, a blessing phase of your life right now, and, and that's great. And we all go through the blessing phases and struggle phases. And if you're in a blessing phase this morning, I want to say praise God. And I want you to say praise God. I want you to thank God for that. But I also want you to take a moment today. I want you to look around and I want you to look and find, maybe find someone that you know is in that struggle moment of the journey and just wrap your arms around them this morning and just love them and just tell them, I know God's here, but I want you to know I'm here with you as well. That's one of the greatest things that we can do in our faith is when we know someone's struggling while I'm being blessed is not sit up there and be like, man, look at me. I'm, I'm doing great. It's to actually get down there with them and allow your strength to become their strength. Allow your blessings to become their blessings so that they can find their way out of that struggle. But if you're struggling this morning, just listen to the words of God. You're not alone. God's with you. He's going to give you the ability and, and, and the tools to overcome the struggle, to overcome the challenge. And ultimately, ultimately, he's going to take every one of those challenges and struggles away. It may not be in the way you think. It may not be in the timing that you want it. It may not even be on this side of eternity. But he promises, I've gone to prepare a place for you where I'm going. I'm going to come back and take you with me. He's waiting for that moment for God to say, go get them. Bring them home. And in that moment, all of our struggles, all of our fears, all of our challenges will disappear in the blink of an eye. And he'll say, good job, come home. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day above anything else. That is my motivation. That's why we strive. That's why we keep going, because he said, I've got you. Let's close with a word of prayer, and then the lesson will be yours. God, we just thank you. We just thank you this morning for being the God that is there. For being the God that when we face struggles and challenges and are overwhelmed by things that you say, I am with you. And the only reason that you may not, we may not feel that you're there is because we're not paying you attention. So help us, God, to open our eyes, open our hearts, open our souls, open our minds to you. That you will, that your presence will just be so obvious to us that we can't help but to wrap our lives around in it. God, be with our, our church family members that are struggling in their, in their own ways, those that we know about and those that are maybe struggling with those things kind of privately and, 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 and in a personal way, God, that they've really not shared. Give them relief of those struggles, God, in the most powerful way. Help them to seek you, to stay focused on you. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world this morning. We thank you for the the global nature of our church, to know that this morning through worship and spirit, we're all connected. And that what we do here today, as powerful as it may be in the moment, is amplified by your spirit throughout the world. We're grateful for that, God. Let that be an encouragement to us. 
But God, in this room, we know that there are those who have struggled with their salvation, who have struggled with their sin, who have chosen not to give their life to you. We pray for your conviction to them this morning, God, that they will will not just hear the words, but they will act on the words that they've heard so many times, to have their sins washed away, to have the Holy Spirit come into them and, and, and sanctify them and justify them, God. They'll allow your spirit to walk with them in the beginning of a journey of being your child for the very first time. We pray for those people this morning. Help them to come to you. We thank you for Jesus, for his sacrifice. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember to love like Jesus.